I'm Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream, a show where I talk with the people who make their living in the world of entertainment. Big thank you to Phil Ranton, the Comedy Podcast Network. Thanks also to Tom Burns for the artwork and Diana Lawrence for the original music. Please share with me your thoughts on iTunes, leave a comment, rate the show, send me an email if you like. It's livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash livingthedreampodcast. This is episode number 12, where I talk with singer-songwriter Chuck Perry. Living the dream. This is uh, Chuck Perry uh, with me. Um, world famous. World famous. I'm sure there's there's someone outside of this country that knows you. There's, there's, there's many people. I would say so. There's many people. My mother. Yes, she's in this country. She's in this country, and she knows me well. And, when, when I traveled abroad, I knew your name, so that makes you world famous. Uh, the thing with my mother is, um, do you tell people, she asked me, who you are? <laughs> what? And I said, yes, Mom, I tell everyone I'm Barbara Gargiulo's son. Oh, that's nice. Well, she's a sweet lady. So, uh, beautiful voice, talented hands on the piano, songwriter, uh, you... Um, you make your living singing for people and, and writing songs and recording. Uh, you have a CD out, yeah. which is pretty awesome. You can get on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, so when do you remember when it was the transition from going from uh, from like working guy to working entertainer? If that's a good way of putting no, it. No, really. I mean, I was kind of the typical um, seven-year-old kid who took piano lessons from little old ladies in their houses, and I did that for like seven or eight years. And and I th- think before I was old enough to get into a bar, I was. I grew up in the church. My dad's a retired uh, Methodist minister, and so we did a lot. I played organ in church, and I played the piano in church. And, as a kid, as a kid, and when yeah. they had uh, um, special functions, dinners or something in the church, they would ask me to play the piano, and. I don't know why, and I, I, I didn't know what to play. And I remember my grandfather, God rest his soul, he gave me my first uh, uh, piano music. It was a book. It was a Reader's Digest book of standards. Okay. With crap I'd never heard of, like Misty as time goes by. <laughs> All those stupid songs. All those songs that, that Frank Sinatra covered. Frank Sinatra covered. Who knows this crap? So <laughs> I remember going into the piano while there, there's a 300 people having di- And I want to be in the book. I'm like, what is this stuff? And I started playing it. And my the even as a young kid, I actually was um, getting attached to this music. I, I liked the music. Right. And uh, I didn't know why I liked it, but... I did, and while my brother were listening to, while my older brother was listening to uh, heavy metal, I think we called it back then, like uh, Zeppelin and stuff. Yeah, Zeppelin and stuff, and Deep Purple, and um, <clears throat> I, I was listening to um, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., and Tony Bennett. Mm-hmm. And when I wasn't listening to that, I was listening to the comedy albums that um, my mom and dad had in the house. The, and the three specific ones were Bill Cosby. Bob Newhart and Shelley Berman. <laughs> so I listened to all the famous crooners and the big time comedians. That's all I listened to was great, great music. I didn't real I didn't know why it was great music at the time. Yeah. 
uh, until years later when I realized a, a, a song has a lyric and a melody in it. And by gosh, if, if the lyric is great and the melody is great, then that pretty much makes a great song. So. Well, yeah, those are two things you want to <laughs> Well, those um, are the only two things in the music, really. Had, it's like my meal. The food tasted good and the decor was good. So I'd say it was a good meal. Yeah, but my fork was stupid, so well, it sucked. I don't, you know. You have a problem with forks. But, but um, really, <laughs> when you talk about a meal or, or so many things, it, it can contain so many components. But really, in a song. You have a lyric and you have a melody, and that's what makes it good. So I didn't know why, you know, it was good, but then I realized, and then I think it was, you know, when I was old enough to get into a bar, like 17, 18, or whatever, I started doing that. So I, th- there wasn't really a solid transition from, and, I, and I've held, like, so-called real jobs, although this is a real job to me because I'm working, I'm of getting course. paid as a professional. Um and it's it's definitely not fake, and it's also definitely not work anymore uh, uh, to me because it is amazing every morning that I wake up. I am so grateful that I'm able to do what I love as a living because there's so many people that are able to do that and so many more people that, that don't, you know. And uh, so it's, all, it's, it's just all an amazing, great thing. And here we are having this interview. Um, on a on a cruise ship in Hawaii. How stupid is that? And we're real dumb. Yes, we're real dumb because they actually pay us for it. So there's actually people dumber than us. Yes, because they're giving us money. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we're good at what we do. But uh, so, and you grew up uh, outside of Baltimore, right? Um. Yes, I was actually born in Bethesda, Maryland, but spent a lot of time in the city of Baltimore. So, like, did you go? I mean, as a teenager, as a like, when we, after you're doing these church gigs, did you immediately start kind of going out and doing uh, paying gigs on the piano and singing and stuff? Well, no, I wasn't old enough. I wasn't old enough. I stayed home and listened to the records, the 33 to 30. But, like, when you, like, your first job, was it like a waiting tables job or was it like a piano job? Um. Actually, um, I, I did have a, a horrible job um, bussing tables, which didn't last very long. I think on my first night, I went to a table, and I'm like, well, this this table is a mess. I mean, there was just like, <laughs> there was, there was, listen, there was like a, a half a bottle of wine. All the bottles of wine glasses were full. There was all this food left on the table. I'm just like... These people must have had a horrible experience. So I threw everything away. Once well, it turned out, they all went to the bathroom at the same time. All of them went to the bathroom at the, at same, the same time. And they came back, and the table was cleared. Holy crap. And I threw away all their food. So that job didn't last very well, long. When was this? Like the 70s? This, oh, yeah, it had to be. Were they all going to do coke? Like, I don't know. Probably. What, I, I don't, why would I, four people get up to go to the I don't, I don't know. They, they all had just, to. They all came back stunned. And the manager came. I, did, I wasn't standing there when they came back. But the manager came to me and so said, you just put the, and told me. And, um, yeah, so that didn't last very long. And I did a little uh, table waiting. But for the most part, I, I remember, like, at, you know, 17 or 18, being in a bar at a piano with that very same book that my grandfather got me. But, wow. now, I, but now I'm singing this stuff. And how did you? Did they? Did you just go in and like audition one day, or? or? My mother uh, was a very prominent figure uh, in the uh, in the community, and wherever my mom has ever gone, uh-huh. uh, she has been the most popular person in the city. And at the time, I th- she was probably um, she was working at a radio station. She was a sales manager at a radio station, so she knew a lot of the top people in the community. So it's just like my son plays the piano and sing. Can you let him? Say, okay, you know. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah, that was kind of easy. So your mom was like your manager at first? Pretty much. Wow. Pretty much. Uh, and so, okay, so you're 18 years old, you're playing in these bars, and uh, you, can, you, you can't even drink at that point, right? Um, no. Drinking was not a part of my life. At that, I, I don't think I knew how to. You didn't know? Okay. I, I didn't know how to drink. I was not ordering martinis. Right. Um, at 18 years old, I was just uh, amazed that I, I th- and I was probably getting paid, uh, who knows, you know, 50, 60 bucks or something to do a few hours. And I carried around a ridiculous amount of music with me. I mean, I just had a suitcase full of books uh, because I would take requests and I would look in the books for the songs and, um, Thank God, I have one stupid book that I, I've been uh, compiled myself that I carry around with me now that I call my uh, Linus Blanket, <clears throat> just because I could probably do without it, but I'm just afraid to throw it away. <laughs> I still see piano players who've been doing it for a long time today walking around with the same amount of books, fake books and music yeah. books that I, I did years ago, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm glad I don't do that anymore. But <clears throat> people are, are constantly amazed that I remember all this stuff, but it's really just from doing it. For so long, so really, yeah, I mean, you started since I, at eighteen. Well, yeah, yeah since I started, the, and I've had other jobs, and I, I've had a, a, a career in cruise ships. Um, that started out amazing. I mean, I, I really got to a point with the, the at least the piano bar stuff where I just. I was ready to find something else. I was playing at a Holiday Inn in Delray Beach in South Florida. This is eighties, early eighties something. I was living with my grandparents there, and. It was all good, and I was at this Holiday Inn for like maybe six months, and the management decided to do something different. They brought in a trio or something. So I'm on my last night. I have no job plan. The last thing in the world I wanted to do was to do another piano bar. I was just bored with it. I'm thinking I need a new direction in my life. So here was the new direction that came to me. My last night, Saturday night, this kid comes up to me and he says, wow, you're wonderful, you're great, we're really enjoying you, I'm here with my grandmother. And I said, well, thank you very much. He said, have you ever thought about doing cruise ships? And I thought, well, I kind of thought about it, but I never really looked into it. He said, well, here's a card of my agent. I'm a dancer in one of the production shows, one of the ships that goes out of Miami. Wow. And so you should call her. I'm like, okay, whatever. I didn't care. I, I really didn't give a crap what, what happened. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was, I was not in a good mood about my professional career at the time. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I took the card. The next day, Sunday night, I came back to the bar just to pick up my last check. And the girl uh, behind the bar said, by the way, you got a phone message today. I said, really, who? She said, it's from this woman, some agent, said she was looking for a piano player on a cruise ship. And you should call her. And um, I said, wow, okay. So Monday, the next day, I called her. Tuesday, the day after that, I was in her apartment in Fort Lauderdale, sitting at her grand piano. I played about 30 seconds Misty. She says, great, that's all I need to hear. Next week, we're flying you to Japan, and you're going to go all around the world. I'm like, whoa, hold on. What the? And that was the change. I didn't go to Japan. I wound up going to California two weeks later with Cunard Cruise Line. That was the beginning of my 13-year career on cruise ships and I started out on that canard ship as a piano bar entertainer and 13 years later um, I left as a cruise director 
with Royal Caribbean. And I did everything in entertainment in between that. The, the experience, the, the standing on stage being funny, sitting behind a piano bar in, in various different situations, being on stage in front of a 16-piece orchestra, spending a week with Jerry Lewis and, 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 and helping him and some, some great celebrities and stuff. The, the most amazing things happened over the next 13 years that I, I, it was impossible for me to envision. And that all came from that one night in that holiday inn that I was sitting there, what the hell am I going to do next? Wow. And 13 years later, I figured out what that was. <laughs> and speaking of cruise ships, if uh, you're listening and you hear that residual noise, that's the pool deck because well, uh, the only room I could get was a conference room and there's constant noise on cruise Honestly, ships. I went to the band before we came up here and I said, look, I'm getting ready to do an interview. If In the next 15 minutes, if you could just start playing some cruise ship uh, island music. You play it as loud as you can. Just to give it a little flavor. <laughs> Hilarious. So, I mean, so if I can summate, if that's a word, summarize, that's a better word. I like summate better. Uh, well, fair enough. Uh, so, basically, you went from, I'm I'm performing in bars because your mother talked to someone. They liked you enough to keep going. Mm-hmm. You find your way down to Florida. Mm-hmm. You're performing there. And then you, you get two different knocks on your door from heaven or whatever you want to call them of people you should work on a cruise ship you should work on a cruise ship so you start working on a cruise ship and you do 13 years of that that's insane correct you, so so in other words you have you've never worked a day in your life <laughs> <laughs> well I have uh, you know when I get, when I got through when I got to in the, the cruise career business when I got to the part where I was doing crew staff uh, work and anyone who knows that's listening to this and knows any, has been on a cruise or worked on a cruise uh, knows that that entails uh, a, an enormous amount of hours. Oh yeah, well, and um, yeah, so I did that. And then when I became an assistant to the cruise director, that was more hours. Yeah. Then when I became a cruise director, that was actually less hours but more responsibility. Sure. And so yeah, I I I have many memories. Of nights or mornings where I would wake up um, lying on top of the sheets of my bed in my cabin, uh, still wearing my uniform with a, a, a radio walkie talkie in one hand and a beeper in the other hand. And after three hours of sleep, I go, oh, I got to get up and go. And you just got, and you just run from, you know, everything. So, yes, I've had my share of experience of working my tail off. Oh, of course. Physically. Um, and But because I did enough of that, I just, I choose to not to do that, you know. And what, where did, because you started out as a piano bar entertainer, and I know you now as a piano bar entertainer. Yeah. Uh, it's just not, now it's just a, another aspect of what I do. It's just amazing that I have... Uh, that at my disposal, whether I'm doing it here, whether I'm doing it in a nice restaurant, and I try to put myself in really nice clubs that enjoy this nice music that I do. And people ask me all the time, what's your favorite song? And my stupid answer is, uh, everything that I do. Because no one tells me what to sing. I'm only going to sing the songs that I like. Nice. And I'm going to put myself into places where I think the majority of the you're not going to be able to please everyone, but the majority of the people are going to like what I do. And so consequently, whether I come on, here on a ship or anywhere on a ship, or in a nightclub or, or wherever I put myself... 95% of the requests that I get are songs I like anyway. I won't know them all, but, sure. but there's, there's songs I like anyway. So that's what really makes my job so enjoyable is that 
I'm just singing all the songs I like to do. And that could be a Frank Sinatra song. That could be an Elton John song, a Barry Manilow song. It could be a Bon Jovi song. Ask me if I know any Bon Jovi songs. Do you know any Bon Jovi songs? No, but if I did, that would be a wonderful thing to do. Because there's, there's so many people, they ask me, do you know any Bon Jovi? And I say, no. I'm like, you don't know any Bon Jovi? Why don't you know any Bon Jovi? And I'm like, well, I just never t-. There's so much billions and trillions of, of, of great music and great artists out there. I just, I can't. Can't listen to them all. I can't learn them all. And there are some entertainers out there who do attempt to learn them all. Sure. And um, as a result, they they kind of do them all kind of halfway. <laughs> but just to please the people. And I see the people are pleased. But they hear it just because it's a Bon Jovi thing. But I can't, I can't do that. I have, I have to like, you know, I, it's got to sound good to me. I can't. So I'm curious about a lot of things. First of all, um, have, I, you, have I actually answered any questions that you've asked? Uh, who knows? <laughs> That's, my questions aren't to be answered. My questions are to stimulate interesting conversation, uh, and I hope they do that. But uh, you, you start as a piano bar entertainer, and then you, you, you wind up going into crew staff. What? That seems like a pretty – based on the crew staff people I know, that doesn't sound typical. You know, they crew staff people I know, at least on this ship, started as bar waiters or something and then wound up being crew staff. But you, you go from being an entertainer to, you know what, I want to give this cruise thing. I was doing a piano bar on the uh, Royal Viking uh, Sun. And Royal Vikings defunct now. In fact, they were actually bought out by Norwegian Cruise Line uh, a bunch of years ago. But at the time, I'm on this thing. I was uh, at the end of a contract. I was very, very good friends with the cruise director, an older uh, uh, English guy. And his assistant was having to sign off the ship for a couple of weeks um, because his mother was ill. So the cruise director came to me, knowing that my last day was coming up here. Yeah. And said, do you want to stay a couple extra weeks and be my assistant? Wow. That's what I said. I'd never been proposed with that before, and I'd never thought about doing that before. But like I said, we were really good friends, so I said, I had nothing else to do. Again. <laughs> again, I was in that boredom stage. Where I had nothing lined up. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do it again. No so one can I, accuse you of being too ambitious. I, I know. Like, oh, okay. I, I guess. Well, well, this this is the rich. This has been my life. I mean, <laughs> I, seriously, I get to. I have had so many. Without you know, at the at the risk of sounding you know too spiritual or whatever, I I've had so many so-called angels and spirit guides take care of me all my life. And when I get into a place where I have nowhere I, idea what I'm going to do, they just send it to me. Wow. So this guy comes to me, be my assistant for a couple of weeks. I'm like, whatever. I got nothing else to do. So I did it. Was well, it turns out this guy's mother was uh, kind of got a little more ill, unfortunately, and he had to stay in an extra longer. So I wound up doing the assistant thing for a month, and it went really, really, really well. Okay. So I finally go home on so-called vacation. Who knows how long the vacation was going to be. I wasn't sure what I was going to do after that. Yeah. So I go home. Two weeks after I get home, I get a call from Royal Vikings Miami offices asking me if I would like to be a cruise director on one of their other ships starting in two weeks. Hilarious. Now, the first thought was, how many heads am I jumping over? Oh, yeah, going straight to cruise director? Right now. Yeah. And so I'm lit- it was literally a piano bar you know, guy going to cruise director. 
Yeah. And I know the business now well enough to know how many people are probably waiting for that position. Sure. That have actually worked for that. <laughs> so. Then just like a but, lottery but, ticket fall out of the sky. But I'm not completely stupid. I'm a little bit, but I'm not completely stupid. I said, what, what an opportunity. What am I going to say? No, just because I'm worried about somebody else's life? There you go. No. So if you got no one else to ask, yeah, I'll do it. Just to say I did. So I get there. My assistant, when I got there, was this guy who had been assistant for three years. No. With the company and was just waiting for his opportunity. So I bring him into my office and I said, look, if I were you right now, I would want to put a pencil through my throat. <laughs> and, and he agreed. With me, I said, but it is what it is. This is the situation. Guess what? I'm not above you. I'm not. You're not below me. Let's just work together as one and just have some fun. And um, I don't think he said all, but (laughs) but he was. Oh, he didn't break into drum circle and start singing kumbaya. He didn't break into tears and start singing religious songs. No, he. uh, But we had a good time. But I was immediately sabotaged uh, by so many, you know, uh, other people. Sure. to make me look bad. I was having a blast, and everyone loved me and everything because I was a, a stark contrast to the old British uh, fellows on night shows, all these old people. I mean, literally, Rich, <laughs> on my first night as cruise writer, just at the beginning of the welcome show when I'm introducing the cast, and the, thing, and the cast can't even dance because they're all laughing so hard because I'm doing something stupid in the spotlight or whatever. And, I mean, literally, these old people in the audience on the first night were already asking for comment cards. While they're sitting in the audience, everybody like, the cruise director's stupid. Cruise director's an idiot. Cruise, you know. And so I, <laughs> they're always they're always Jewish in your scenario. No, I don't know. These, I'm I'm very old. I'm Jewish and I'm complaining. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that, that didn't like you know last very long, but only because some people just you know wanted me out of there. But that kind of started my whole. That's yeah. what started the whole cruise director, cruise staff, administrative. And how long did that go on? How, how long did you stay in on that? on that ship? Well, up until actually Norwegian Cruise Line bought them out, and um, and then I I think I went back doing some other um, um, piano stuff. That must have been when I close to when I went to Royal Caribbean. I was with them for five and a half years. Wow! And I I started out doing a piano, and I went immediately to cruise staff, and then immediately to quickly to assistant cruise director which gave me another amazing opportunity where they flew me out to France to bring out a brand new ship Wow! That talk about work, that is hard 24-7, round the clock work but an amazing experience I don't think I'd want to do it again because it was too hard but it was an amazing experience and then I got a chance to be cruise director with them for like two and a half years out of that and and then I just got um, uh, you know, I just got tired of it after 13 years, I was just I was I was tired and I was ready for something new. So I so I got off. There was an art auction company on board the ship at the time that scooped me up right away. I did that for about eight months. Uh, I did really well at it, um, but again, I realized I wasn't. It wasn't really what I wanted to do. You were an I art was, auctioneer. I didn't even. I know was that. an art auctioneer. That's hilarious. Yes, and uh, my first my first auction. I mean, they literally. They scooped me up right away, and they wanted to send me out on the Norwegian cruise line Norway, their huge ship at the time, the next week. Jeez. And I, that's what I said to them. And I said, look, uh, can I go home and just for a couple of weeks and just reflect on this 13-year career that I'm walking out on? 
you know, right now. Because I literally went to the office and said, get someone in here now because I'm ready to go. I'm done. There you go. And they did. And I was done. So they said yes. So they gave me all the art books with all the, the, the artists and the, the, within their, uh, their stories and their things that I had to learn. I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll look at them over the two weeks. So the two weeks I went home, I didn't look at one damn book. The whole week goes. So now I'm driving to the Norway, <coughs> excuse me, in South Florida. To, uh, it's in Miami. And it's like a three-and-a-half-hour drive for me. Uh, during that three-and-a-half-hour drive, I have all my art books in the passenger seat. Of my car. This is the first time I, I'm looking at anything, <laughs> looking at anything, and I have an auction probably in like two days. So I get there and I got to. I'm setting everything up and get. And I'm, I'm pretending like I know what I'm doing because I'm very good at doing that. Sure. And um, I get up the first auction. There's like 150 people packed in this little lounge, and I got my podium here. And I, Rich, I'm literally got a book open on the podium, and I'm reading. <laughs> This stuff. We got this beautiful art. Okay, now first art, and I'm, I'm just staring down at the book while I'm pointing at the thing, and I'm, I'm just reading from this thing. The auction was, by the time the auction was over, I had sold $9,800 worth of art. Is that a, is that a lot for a That's book? a lot. Okay. That's the, 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 the office was like, holy crap, we got a gold mine here. We go, who is this guy? And uh, so I, I actually tried to keep up <coughs> doing that. So I did well for a while. And then I got bored with it. And then I was living in Central Florida. Moved to Central Florida. Was newly married. Um, we both started working at Disney World. I was not doing it. I was doing a little piano work, you know, around. But actually, I wasn't doing any. I was just. I was a parade supervisor for the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. And I did that for uh, like seven, eight months. They, want, they were ready to move me up to a manager because they knew my background. I said, you can't pay me enough because I'm married, I have a mortgage, and I can't do that on $6.45 an hour. So I thought to myself, what is, and this is 1990-something, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, pick a number. I think 1998, 99, something like that. And I said, what can I do? Where I don't have to work uh, 60 hours a week to bring home $400. <laughs> and that I can make pretty good money at working, you know, minimal throughout the week. And that I can, I'm pretty good at. And I thought the piano thing, the piano bar, I hadn't done it in 10 years. So I thought I need to get back into that. So I did a couple of weeks of networking. I got a fluke phone call one day. Of course you did. <laughs> Again. Sending me gifts, um, saying, what are you doing Saturday night? I heard from a person, from a person, from a person that you were good. I trust these people. And it was actually friends of my wife. Who my, my wife had said I was good, so they just said, okay, fine, he's good. I need someone Saturday night. And so I went in there uh, to this club, and I filled in for him on a Saturday night. And uh, nine years later, I left that club. Jeez. When he eventually turned it over to me, his name is Jonathan Barr, uh, who started his own business, and his business got uh, so big that he's now a, a major production company in Central Florida and is on the ship with us right now. He's the producer of this uh, new production show that's wow. coming okay. right now. So, um, so, yeah, he actually got me started. 
it was Jonathan Bart that got me started uh, back in the get. And, and not only, and I so I did that for a while, just the piano bar. I felt myself getting bored again, but I thought, no, let's this time let's hold on to it, but just keep making yourself better, keep raising yourself up this level and the next level and the next level. Try to find something musically that where you can take it to the next level. And so that's what I've been doing for the last ten years. And you've it's been songwriting just, as well. I've been writing, um, uh, not as much as I should, but um, I've been arranging and producing, and I now have you know a, a couple of shows under my belt and some shows I'm getting ready to do uh, over the next uh, few months. And I've got a Johnny Cash tribute show that I'm a musical director and piano player for that I worked hard on. Uh, I have a Barry Manilow tribute show that is just overwhelmingly stupid. It goes over so well. And um, and I have a, a show partner back at home. She and I do a, a, a tribute to famous duos and duets that we're getting ready to do a whole bunch of them when I you know, go home in a few weeks. So um, it's just amazing what I've been able to accomplish in the gifts and the, the luck, if you want to use that word. Some people don't believe in the word luck but you know sometimes there's a little luck involved sure but uh, like i said i got a lot of good people that we can't see looking after me so and i thank them every day so it's pretty good uh, i want to plug your cd real quick uh is it just called chuck perry live right uh, it's called chuck uh it's called by request is the oh, cd and the concept was uh to uh, who's gonna who's gonna buy a cd from chuck perry well maybe uh, the the songs that you hear me singing tonight <laughs> the ones that you're requesting the ones that are the most popular requested ones like like misty and as time goes by is on there piano man from billy joel is on there my one original song is on there too um and so you got a nice little mixture of stuff. Half of it is uh, orchestrated. The other half is just me and the piano. I have like I do an Elton John uh, thing with me, just candle in the wind, just me and the piano. It's really nice. And so the, the most top requested songs are on there. I had a great uh, uh, co-arranger uh, and co-producer uh, of the CD. And uh, because I travel a lot, and it's hard and expensive, by the way. Um, to carry around actual physical CDs in their cases, um, I decided to just put it on iTunes. So if you go into iTunes Store, and uh, I always tell people they don't have iTunes, it's an easy download and it's free. Free. And uh, you go into the iTunes Store and just type in my name, Chuck Perry, with a P, by the way. And um, and it comes up, and it's by request, and my uh, little mug is on there, and... Uh, and I, I like iTunes because you don't even if you don't want to buy the whole album, you can buy whatever songs you like for ninety nine cents a pop. Yeah, and absolutely. I, and I think the whole album, even those twelve tracks on it, is like ten bucks. So, pretty good. There's uh, okay. Two questions uh, before we get out of here. One, uh, if I am like a let's say I'm a teenager and I play piano and I'm like, boy, I really want to be um, a working musician. Uh, obviously. You know, you have a different story than, than, you know, standard, like, guys who you'd see on MTV and stuff. Like, what, what if any advice, would you give them? Uh, well, first, you, you, you got to make sure you love what you do. I mean, I, you know, growing up taking piano lessons, it, it got to the point where I got bored with the lessons, but I liked the piano. And I'm pretty sure that's why I stuck with it. I mean, my mom and dad kind of noticed something special going on there. If you think that you want to get into it just because it looks glamorous or it looks fun or you think you can make a lot of money at it, <clears throat> then you're getting into it for the wrong reason. Yeah. Okay, the whole uh, idea is to you, you want to entertain people and you enjoy the instrument you're playing. Make sure that that's true first. Um, then you can get in the whole business aspect of it. But, but really, uh, my, my, my after that, my number one advice would be to do 
a lot more than what I did. And what I really didn't do and what took me, you know, like I said, I had a lot of people, you know, taking care of me. But a lot of what I have done in my career would have happened a lot faster if I would have gotten out and networked more, if I would have gotten out and listened to people more and met more people, uh, which obviously the same as networking. So that, that would be my just get out there, hear what's going on. Hear what's going around. Hear what people are like. And I went through a period where I was like, I don't care what other people like. I'm, I'm going to force this crap. <laughs> you know. But so I had to find a compromise and a balance somewhere along the way. I'm not going to do something I don't like. So that's why I said earlier, I put myself into places where I know people are going to like what I like. You know, and there's plenty of you know places to do that. But really, just just c- connect with people. That's and today, holy crap! When I was you know growing up doing this, I'm sorry we didn't have the internet. <laughs> thing. Back in my day. Back in, I walked five miles in the deep snow. I, uh, just, I had to call him on my rock phone. Just, <laughs> I had a phone made out of rocks. Wilma! But, uh, yeah, today, my gosh, it is so easy to, to find out who's playing around and, and to network with people between Facebook and Twitter, to follow people and LinkedIn. I mean, there's it's so easy to get connected with people. But listen to the music that you love. Listen to the people that you love. Talk to the people. It is amazing. Some people are scared of this. Because a lot of people will, will, will give that advice, professionals in this business. You know, go talk. You see someone do a show, or like, go talk to them, ask them questions. But people are afraid to it. And it's like, well, they're not going to want to talk to me. Well, guess what? They do want to talk to you. They're okay. There are some divas and there's some prima donnas out there that, uh, you know, don't deserve to be talked to. But for the most part, you know, most of us, we want to help. Yeah. You know, so that's how I got the help. It took me a long time to get it because I was always afraid to ask for it. And it took me too long to realize that I shouldn't have been afraid, you know, to ask for the help. But, uh, you know, as long as you have the passion in your heart for what you do and you ask for what you want properly. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought that that was an long, appropriate soundtrack. As long that. as you run in slow motion on the beach. <laughs> While you're playing a guitar, you'll get whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, the, you know the, really, Seriously, there's no rocket science behind it. It's just, just love what you do. And as long as you love what you do and are passionate about what you do, you are going to be led into the right direction. That's it. What if they start at booking you on piano gigs on rocket ships? As well. Then, then there is rocket science. I would have the helmet tested <laughs> before you go. First, they'll send a monkey up. Like, <laughs> then they'll send up a human. He looks like a monkey. Oh, God. You know what? I'm just going to end it there. Uh, Chuck Perry, thanks so much. Rich and, Baker, thank uh, you. Normally, we end with my typical intro music. It's done by Dana Lawrence. But if it's okay with you, I'd like to end it with uh, your song. If I get uh, You Be My Angel. Yes. So by here Chuck it is Perry. to send us out by Chuck Perry. Thank you. Huge thank you to Phil Ranta and the Comedy Podcast Network. Original artwork by Tom Burns. Original music by Diana Lawrence. Drop me an email, livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes. Leave a comment. I love all the feedback. Find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash livingthedreampodcast. Now, normally we leave on the music created by Diana Lawrence, but in honor of Chuck Perry, this is from his album By Request. Here he is singing his original song, You Be My Angel. Thanks for listening. My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream. You be my angel And I'll be your light When morning has broken We'll kiss through the night Whenever I'm searching For a meaning to life 
my angel, and I'll be yours.